0: This is the Ebb and Flow podcast with Ide Bailey, where you'll find inspired insights on forward movements in the middle market. Now, let's get to the show.
1: Hello, and welcome to Ebb and Flow. I'm your host, Clinton Larson, and today we're going to be talking about navigating the challenges of family secession in business. And joining me to talk about that topic is Chad Flanagan, a partner here at ID Bailey. Welcome to the podcast, Chad. Glad to be with you, Clinton. So today's topic, you know, family-owned businesses are obviously a backbone to the economy in the U.S. here. And many start those businesses, I think, with the idea that, you know, maybe one day they're going to pass that down to the next generation. And, you know, doing some research for this topic, I found that you know, it looks like around, while well, around 30% of family-owned businesses transition to that next generation, you know, that percentage drops drastically as we get into the third or the fourth generation. So I'm curious, you work with a lot of families in, the, in this succession process, you know, like um, what, 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 is that typical of what you see?
2: It really is. We we know that uh, if a business is successful in getting to the third or fourth generation, uh, that they're doing something right. You know, either they have a good succession plan and process, or they've worked very hard to uh, get this to the next generation. And so, you know, we like to celebrate uh, with those clients uh, as they get to the third or fourth, fifth generation. It's difficult, and I think that's why we see the percentages low as they are. Um, and, and so. You know, those that uh, take on a process and get help uh, have a much higher chance of success.
1: What makes that transition so difficult for a lot of families?
2: It's about the emotions, Clinton. So it's a very difficult process. We work with a lot of business owners that have a hard time letting go, have a hard time uh, trusting in the next generation to to pick up uh, where they left off. And so uh, we, we find that uh, sellers and, and the exiting generation uh, has a difficult time because the, the process is innately uh, difficult to navigate. So, you imagine that you have to choose a new successor and you have to choose between your children or your siblings' children. That's a very difficult process. Or you have to kind of plan the next stage of your life and and uh, you, you've probably... Uh, You know, you've tied your success to your personality. You're afraid of what uh, business or what life looks like uh, once you pass on that business. And so it's very important in a process like this to step back and understand the emotions involved in the process. And really, we've started to work more with business owners and ask them those difficult questions of what are you going to do as you retire? Um, What role do you want to play in the company, if any? Uh, what are your hobbies? Things like that, that you wouldn't think would be an important to a succession plan, but are, are very important.
1: We've been talking about succession and uh, transition of businesses on the podcast here for the last couple of episodes. And one of the things that I've been hearing through these conversations is, you know, you need time. You need to give yourself a good runway for this stuff. So I'm curious, you know, when, when someone's starting to think about a transition, uh, or like a family succession, you know. Where and how do you start that conversation then? What's what's an ideal sort of timeframe? How do you get rolling on what you were just saying, like some, some possibly very difficult questions?
2: Yeah, that's a great question because getting started is just, um, it's so important and it's where a lot of uh, business owners fall down that it is difficult to get some momentum behind it. Uh, we like to work with our clients and tell them that if they give us three to five years to work with them, we can get a good plan in place and um, help them be successful in the process. And that usually starts with the business owner. Not always. Sometimes we get generation two that says, hey, mm-hmm. I'm ready. Um, <laughs> help me
1: right.
2: uh, talk to uh, my mom or my dad or, or G1 and uh, get a process in place. But a lot of times it is that uh, current business owner that says, you know, I'm of this certain age and I need to start thinking about next steps. What do I do? Can you help me? And and so, that is step one, and we can kind of go through, and we like to involve all the stakeholders in that process. So, that's the next generation. That could be uh, family owners, family employees, could be non-participating family, that uh, it affects everybody. And so, the more we can invite to the process, the more successful we think uh, it will be. It creates buy-in, you know, and I think that's the key, is mm-hmm. that... Uh, if you get uh, everybody a chance to participate, you create buy-in and, and plans are more successful that way.
1: That's good to know. Yeah. I was just thinking my next question would obviously be like, you know, you're thinking about getting all these family members together and, and you know, my holidays are pretty good, but I know <laughs> I hear horror stories from other people. You know, So like, in terms of like, you have a family like that together, you know, how do you make sure everyone's on the same page or what do you do to ensure everyone is on the same page?
2: Yeah, you're right. I mean, this is why family business uh, is so great and why it can be so difficult. Is that these people are together a lot, and um, and so it is. I think very important to have a a team, a third party facilitator. We oftentimes in this in this process will interview each of the stakeholders and find out that um, you know things that they really haven't talked to each other about. um, You know, strain in relationships or. You know you f- I mean, you might find out that those that were pegged for leadership and ownership responsibility aren't interested in those things. and And you might find that the leader you thought was going to take over the business doesn't have the confidence of the rest of the team. So it is those things that I, I think sometimes a facilitator or a third party can get from those stakeholders that maybe a family member can't. but uh, that that is a challenging part of this is that this affects the holidays and this affects. The family get-togethers, uh, where uh, obviously closely held businesses, you don't have those same challenges.
1: Right. So tough conversations, but obviously necessary conversations. So, what are some tips that you would have for navigating those kind of conversations? You know, when you walk into uh, a, a situation where you maybe know there's some potential for some, some stress or some strain. You know what what are what are you doing to help mitigate that, and how how do you just approach those conversations?
2: I think the first step is just to uh, appreciate that there are a lot of emotions with this process. Early in my career, Clinton, I I would kind of jump into tax implications and business value, and uh, you know structuring notes and things that were attractive. And it was probably more quantitative uh, analysis. And I, I think as we work with more and more families, we understand how important it is. Uh, to understand the relationships. We we like to start a question with all those stakeholders and really ask, what is your social contract with the business? What do you want for yourself and your family from this business? And we are often surprised at the, the responses we get. And so we find that sometimes these individuals don't have the risk tolerance to be an owner of a business, or they have other passions in life, and we're afraid to talk about it. So I think just Having some one-on-one time with the stakeholders, uh, really understand what drives them, what excites them about the business, and what concerns they have is is an important step.
1: And what are some of the other common challenges you see pop up as you're having these conversations? You know, you mentioned some some pretty big ones there, but what are some other ones that just, uh, you know, maybe people wouldn't see coming, but but is sort of a common uh, challenge that you know happens with family succession.
2: Yeah, with family businesses, you have the additional stress of figuring out where everybody fits in the business. I think that's issue number one, who should have a leadership role, who gets opportunity in the business. You have family, you have spouses, you have uh, non-family uh, employees. So there is a lot of uh, jockeying to figure out who fits in what role. And it does does affect family harmony in that way. But if you think about it, there there is a host of other issues that uh, family businesses have, including, you know, compensation, uh, promotion eligibility. Some families have governance issues that would require you to work outside of the business for some number of years. And and I think just kind of getting a plan together and navigating through those and getting on the same page is is an important step there.
1: And I'm guessing like a lot of parts of a transaction, there's no cookie cutter approach to this process (laughs) with a family, right? Like you're dealing with such a history there in terms of how people have lived together, how people have have treated each other. You know, there must be, it must always be a unique approach when you're, when you're taking on this process, I would guess.
2: Yeah, you, you, you're right. You're dealing with uh, people that have known each other their whole lives. I've, I've had discussions and interviews with stakeholders where you know there is conflict between parties, and stories about uh, fights on the playground come up, and you you just don't have that in the 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 world where right. it's non-family business. And right. So it, it's ah uh, it it's important to recognize those things. And I the other thing I'd say, Clinton, is that you know sometimes the conflict comes from just people with different visions for the business. It's not a good thing or a bad thing. And so stepping back, going through a succession planning process, it's really as much a strategic planning process as anything to say what are our goals, how fast do we want to grow, how aggressive do we want to be, how much risk do we want to take. We find um, naturally that generation one probably wants to minimize risk and protect their assets and their investment. And generation two wants to grow and uh, conquer the world and so they want to take risks and and so they fight on a daily basis over operational issues hmm. because they're they view the direction of the company in two very different ways and so to invest in uh equipment technology people is um there, there's two different approaches to that and it leads to conflict so again uh, I'm preaching a lot of, uh, get a plan together, go through a process, Mm -hmm. but a lot of good things happen from, from those steps.
1: And what does success look like in, in those scenarios? Uh, you know, obviously you just mentioned there's, there could be conflicting goals in terms of like, you know, where people are at in their lives. So how how do you sort of define success for a, a family succession plan?
2: That is one of the questions we would ask those stakeholders as well is just how do you see this? Uh, You know, the easy answer, I think, is that if you look two, three years after the transition that the company's successful, that Mm -hmm. people figured out their roles, that, um, you know, that they were properly um, trained and developed to fill those roles and that the business owner or or generation one has... um, let go and let the the new leadership make some of their own decisions. I know that's always a touchy area. Is you know the 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 exiting shareholder has helped create this company. They know the company in and inside and outside. We you know most buyers want to continue and and get their help in a transition, uh, but that looks different for everybody. And so that's that's an important step. But yeah, you can't really tell until you look. Three to five years later, and say, "Yep, they're off and running and um, growing the company in their own way."
1: I wanted to ask about what you were just talking about, too. This idea of uh, of the you know generation one uh, or the current owner wanting to stick around for a little bit and maybe just not be the boss, but have you know some hands in there and just make sure things are going smoothly. How do you navigate that sort of uh, power transfer when you're when you're maybe they both. You know, maybe two generations agree, okay, yeah, we will do this together for a while, but, you know, I'm going to be in charge and you're just going to be a, like a consultant kind of deal maybe. Um, how do you navigate those kind of discussions and that kind of plan?
2: It's good to talk about it. It's good to have those parties talk about how they see this play out. I think sometimes we really like that exiting shareholder to serve on a board or have oversight at a really high level, but let uh, the new generation be the day-to-day leadership and let them figure out how they want to accomplish those goals. So that's one scenario where we think that, um, is a good path going forward, but there is oftentimes, you know, customer relationships to transition, some know-how in operations or the industry. And, uh, the buyers really want to uh, benefit from, from that knowledge. And so it's just good to have good communication on, um, you know, what each party wants, because, uh, You know, sometimes those sellers already just wash their hands clean after a couple Mm -hmm. months and uh, maybe that's welcomed or maybe that is a concern for the buyers. It's it's good to have that conversation.
1: You mentioned before that sometimes, you know, the person that maybe we thought was going to take over our business isn't the person that turns out is the right fit for that transition. I'm curious when you're going through this process. And you get to a point where you realize like maybe family succession isn't even an option. is isn't even a good option for the business. How do you bring up that topic? How do you talk through that when, you know, maybe like this, this generational plan is just not going to work?
2: It's a very difficult conversation, but a very important one. And it really is part of our process. So the the exiting shareholders generation one would know that as part of our process, we're going to interview stakeholders and we're going to assess Readiness of the next generation to lead, and and it does happen, Clinton, where we find out that uh, that family member is not ready. Uh, they're they're um, not earning the respect of their peers. They're not executing in operations, and we we do need to share that with uh, Generation One. And so that is a benefit of working with a third party that we can have some of those difficult conversations better to know upfront than to be three years into a succession plan and, and have people leave, uh,
0: mm-hmm. or
2: not have a plan B. And, and so I think, you know, as we go through that process, there's things like, uh, personality, uh, PI tests. There's also feedback. There's, there's things where, um, certainly maybe they just need development and they need some training or some awareness of, of how to get to the next level. Uh, other times they just don't have it in them, and uh, either way, good. That that's where the plan really needs to start. Is let's identify leadership, put the business first, and identify the leaderships that's going to help this business continue to grow.
1: Obviously, all the stuff you're talking about is it's very. It can be very difficult conversations to have with people, and obviously family members are probably also learning a lot more about each other than they ever maybe even knew. And they're also sharing that with you. So I'm curious, like, how do you build trust as the, as the, you know, third party coming in as the stranger sort of at the table, so to speak, you know, how do you make sure you're building trust and a rapport with the family so that you can have these open and honest conversations?
2: Clinton, I always think about that before we start these processes and start having some uh, interviews and meetings with various stakeholders Certainly, it's important for us to listen. It's important for us to uh, be non-judgmental. I'm often very surprised by how quickly people will open up. And and uh, hopefully, that is because we build trust. And and I think it's mostly because nobody's really asked them these questions before. Mm. What do you really want from this business? Where uh, where do you want to see it go? What do you want your career to look like? And uh, it's it's an opportunity for them to... Share thoughts that they've been accumulating for years about uh, opportunities for them or the business, and I think they really enjoy that process and get a chance to voice their opinion.
1: So the goal then, obviously, is that that when this is done, you have a happy family, you have happy, happy plan, you have it's just everyone's on the same page. Um, You know that must make you feel pretty good too when you get a chance to actually work through
2: this with families. I'd imagine it does because you you're you're pulling for them for sure. And you know, it's a difficult process. You're excited that they're committed to it. You want to go in there and, and first rule is do no harm. You right. don't want to set back relationships. You, you hope that if conflict exists or it arises that it's healthy. And and I think it's important that, you know, you can build that trust with them and, and with each other and then have some healthy conflict or or debate about the direction of the company and and who fills what role uh, but that at the end of the day they're better off for it you know this mm-hmm. doesn't this doesn't pop up at the Thanksgiving dinner conversation because <laughs> they've already talked about it they've already worked through it <laughs> right and, uh, and and you're right it, it's a process where you feel like you can bring your experience and some of the tools and and really help and so you're you're right it's very rewarding work.
1: So for somebody who's considering passing their business down to the next generation, say they're they're thinking about it right now and they know they got some time ahead of them to think about this, what are some of the things that they should do or they can do now to lay the groundwork for a successful uh family succession plan?
2: Yeah, I think two things. If somebody's thinking about, hey, I should really start a process like this, one is think about what's most important to you. As I start conversations with business owners, sometimes that the answer to that is legacy sometimes it's really family harmony i worked with a client recently where the community was his number one concern so keeping uh jobs local uh helping keep the community vibrant and so think about what's most important because that might drive some of the decisions you you run with in this process and for those of you that say getting top dollar, I think that's an equally fair answer. So, But think about what's most important for you. The next probably most important step is get a team put together. There's a lot of implications for this. Uh, Having a good attorney, having a good accountant, understanding the taxes, maybe having uh, somebody facilitate some of this conversation. Whoever you have good relationships with, that have some experience in this space. And there are many good professionals out there that can help. Uh, I think once you have that team together, they can help you navigate through a process and make sure uh, that everything's well planned out and thought through.
1: Regarding what you just mentioned about getting top dollar for your business, what are some of the ways too that, you know, people are thinking about this now and they have the time, how can they make sure that 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 final valuation of their business is something that Um, meets their goals and it gets them to that next phase in their life.
2: We always encourage that the client look at a business valuation, whether that's a formal business valuation or something less formal. It's important to understand how buyers are going to value the business and and run them through, um, you know, maybe a market approach or income approach. We we have a team that will look at where are multiples in the industry? um, What's most appropriate? Is it a multiple of revenue or earnings? Um, is it the uh, is it the balance sheet that we look at? What are those value drivers? Because if you do have time, you can really um, focus on those value drivers and and get a better sales price. And so, you understanding where the market is and what's driving price is a is a fruitful exercise, especially if you have a few years in front of you.
1: And what about those businesses that find out, as we were just talking about, that family succession is not really the best option for them? And they're positioned well, and the valuation is right. you know what are some other who are some other buyers that could potentially step up and purchase that business?
2: I think you think about it in terms of whether it's the current employee or family group that's going to continue to own the business or whether it's an outside party. If it is the current uh employee base and it's not the family, maybe an employee stock ownership plan is a is a good option for you. There's a lot of benefits to there. To that, there might be some tax advantages. And so uh, maybe you have a good management team that is non-family, and that might be a mechanism for you to transfer ownership. If you're looking outside of the company uh, and you look to third parties, they're strategic buyers. So maybe a competitor, and there's pros and cons to that. Uh, Maybe somebody from outside your market, but somebody in the industry. And then there are uh, financial buyers, private equity groups that may be interested in, in getting into the industry or expanding their markets. So, you know, understanding who the buyer is might greatly impact your strategy and even how you plan for that. So I I think, again, understanding who your buyer is, is one of the very first steps. And I I think we've got teams and Clinton, we might want to talk about that in further podcasts, just to talk about the advantages and disadvantages of each of those buyers.
1: Right. And we've had some really good conversations so far on the podcast about transitioning your business and exiting your business. And we hope to have more to come because obviously, as we just discussed, this is a complex topic. It is an important topic and it's a big one for any business owner to have to tackle. So Chad, thank you so much for the insight today on the family succession process. I think this was a really good episode and thanks for being on the podcast.
2: Thanks for having me, Clinton.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of the ebb and flow podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. So you never miss an episode at iBailey. What inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting advisory and technology services with your business in mind. Visit our website to access tools and resources tailored for you. iBailey.com slash this podcast is distributed with the understanding that I'd Bailey LLP is not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. For audience questions and topic ideas, visit idebailey.com slash ebflow. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash E-B-F-L-O-W. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to tune in next time.